You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast for the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from Score Zag Score and taking over here at Locked On. This episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. I want to thank you all for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Whether you are a new listener to the show, new to my content, or coming over from my previous show, a reminder to please follow and subscribe to this podcast wherever you already get podcasts, and to look out for an upcoming YouTube channel, which will start in the next few weeks. All right, y'all, it's Friday, and it is the last Friday of the year 2021 before we will have official Gonzaga basketball to talk about. That's right. They're playing Eastern Oregon in an exhibition game on Sunday, Halloween afternoon. Folks are going to have a ton of more ton more content. We're going to have a lot more to talk about after that game. Of course, we'll see our first glimpses of some of these guys against other opponents. It's going to be super, super exciting stuff. Today, though, since it's Friday, since we haven't quite got there yet, we're going to have some fun. We got three segments today, all very different stuff. We're going to preview Eastern Oregon a little bit in the first segment. We're going to talk about the five things that I'm going to be watching for, specifically what I'm looking out for. Obviously, I'm not too concerned about the outcome of the game. I don't think it's going to be very much in question, but it will be interesting to see some of the lineups that Mark Few rolls out there and the playing time for certain guys. In the second segment, we're going to start a new segment called Andy Locks after Goldilocks. It's a segment where listeners can submit takes. I don't want to call them hot takes because that's what I'm determining, whether it is a hot take, whether it is a cold take, or whether it is just right a.k.a. Goldilocks. So we already had a listener who suggested the idea. He submitted a couple of them. We're going to go through those in the second segment ahead of the season. It's something that if you guys like it, we can do it more. We can maybe even make it a weekly thing before Gonzaga's games on Thursdays. That's kind of the idea that I have. So as always, please give me your feedback on how you think that went and what you think about it going forward. And then in the third segment, we're going to answer a listener-submitted question that was for Mailbag Monday, but I wanted to flesh it out a little bit more because it's going to take much longer than 30 seconds or so to answer. He wanted me to compare every player on Gonzaga's roster to a superhero. So we're going to do just that in the third segment. Like I said, it's Friday. We're going to have some fun, right? So let's get right into it. Uh, Eastern Oregon, that is Gonzaga's opponent on Sunday. Obviously, they are an NAI school. It is an exhibition game, one of two exhibition games that Gonzaga is playing this year. The other one is against Lewis Clark State, a team that Gonzaga seems to play almost every year. Makes sense. They're located pretty locally. Eastern Oregon is obviously not that far away. Far away, excuse me. Either uh, they were ranked 19th, or they're ranked 19th in the country in NAIA. Not a, you know, <laughs> incredible accomplishment, but certainly something notable. At least they are a pretty good school by NAIA standards. Uh, they've already played two games this season. Uh, their season apparently started significantly earlier than the Division One <laughs> season starts. Uh, they played Montana Tech, who they beat, and they played Carroll College, who they lost to. They're also playing Montana Western on Saturday at 10.30 in the morning. So they play Montana Western at 10.30 in the morning. The next day they go to Spokane to play the Zags. Uh, Not that they had uh, too much of a chance of winning this one. I think it's safe to say that, but a pretty unfortunate task. He's got to turn it around in 26 and a half hours to go around and play another team. This team happening to be not only a Division I team, which is hard enough as it is, but, you know, the best team in the entire country, of course. 
these teams don't pick up these games to try to win. They like to get chances to prove themselves and certainly chances to just see what it's like to face that kind of competition, uh, stories to tell their kids, all of that fun stuff that comes with being at a school like that and getting an opportunity to play somebody like Gonzaga. Uh, looking through their roster and their stats just for the fun of it, uh, I was doing that earlier today. They have a one point guard. He's a redshirt senior. His name is Max McCullough. This dude is really good. He's averaging 32 points. Again, they've only played two games. But in those two games, he has taken 18 threes and made 10 of them. I do not care what level you are playing at. Making 10 out of 18 threes in game action is pretty darn good. He's also 18 for 19 from the free throw line. So when we're watching this game and we're looking at Gonzaga's matchups and how they look and all of that stuff, you're probably going to notice one dude scoring a lot of points on their team, and that would be Max McCullough from Post Falls, Idaho. He's been at uh, he's been at Eastern Oregon for a long time. Obviously, pretty talented young man. So that's kind of kind of fun. I think you know why not get an opportunity to shout out some guys who probably don't get mentioned on college basketball podcasts all that often, even though he's obviously really talented. So that's kind of all I got on Eastern Oregon. I think I'm going to do more team previews ahead of other games for the rest of the season, but there's not a lot of information out there on an NAIA school. And the storyline here is that this is Gonzaga's first time playing real basketball against a real opponent with this roster. And so I think wanting to see how the lineup shake out, I was going to say how Mark Few <laughs> structures the lineups, but he will not be coaching in this game due to his suspension. Although I think he probably still has some oversight into what the lineups are going to look like, uh, at least ahead of the game. The in-game substitutions will be done by Brian Michelson and the rest of the staff. But uh, I just want to go through five things that I'm specifically going to be watching for. Some of them are pretty obvious, like the first one, which is, what is the starting lineup? <laughs> this has been a question all off season. It's one of the first times I can really remember having this much debate about Gonzaga's starting lineup. Most years, I think it's relatively set. There's maybe one spot that is up for grabs between two players. This year, there's really three spots in my mind, or two spots for sure, that are up in the air. I think Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren are locks to start. Andrew Nemhard, in my mind, is a lock to start. So that leaves two spots that are available. And there's for a while, there was four guys really competing for those spots, maybe five. You know, you were you had arguments for Anton Watson, for Julian Strother, for Rasir Bolton, for Nolan Hickman, and for Dominic Harris. You had five guys really competing to be starters at those spots. Did I did I say Hunter Salas? I may have forgotten Hunter Salas. So six guys, six guys competing for those two spots. Uh, for my money, I've said this, and I'll say it again here. I think the starting lineup is going to be Andrew Nembhard, Hunter Salas, Julian Strother, Drew Timmy, and Chet Holmgren. I I, I don't think that that's – I don't want to say that I think that that's right. It's my preferred starting lineup, but there are plenty of other ways that Gonzaga could do this. I think a lot of those guys are all going to play around the same 25, 22 to 25 minutes per game range, so it almost doesn't matter who starts in a lot of ways. I, I think it can be kind of matchup dependent. We've also seen Gonzaga be more willing to change their starting lineup in the season, something that they used to be really reticent to do. But we saw when Admon Gilder got benched. We saw when Joel Eiai took a starting job. We saw it last year when Andrew Nembhard stepped into a starting role in place of Anton Watson. Like, they've been willing to do that. And so this year, the, the starting lineup tomorrow or on Sunday almost doesn't matter at all. It's an exhibition game. It's <laughs> I'm not going to assume that what we see there is for sure going to be the starting lineup for the rest of the season or even the first actual game against Dixie State. But I also think that whatever starting lineup we see against Dixie State or Texas doesn't necessarily mean that that's not going to change as the season goes on. Obviously, a factor will be Dominic Harris coming back from his injury. But beyond that, if you know, if Rasir Bolton starts and he struggles or it just makes more sense to have him come off the bench because that's more when he can get into his groove, like whatever it may be, I think we'll see some adjustments to that starting lineup. 
Second question, how much do we see the three-guard lineups? Yeah, this is obviously something that I've been wondering about quite a bit. I've talked about it a lot on here. I think we're going to see it a lot this season. I think Gonzaga has so much depth in the guard room that it seems silly to not play three of them at the same time. I think we'll see it a lot in this game because they'll be trying stuff. They'll be seeing what works, what doesn't work, and, and playing you know, Nemhart and Hickman together. Like That's a lineup I really want to see because those are the two point guards on this roster. Does it make sense for them to play a lot of minutes together? If they do, does Nemhard still take on the point guard role? Does Hickman slide into a two role? Do they let Nemhard slide into a two role? Because he did that last year with Jalen Suggs on the roster. Those are the kind of questions that I have. I think we'll see less three guard lineups because Dom's not playing. But I also think we might see like a fair amount of Martinez Arlauskas in this game. You know, why not give him an opportunity to really play, to show what he can do, to kind of strut his stuff? He's he's now the fifth guard, which isn't a super lucrative role on this team because of the talent ahead of him, but he would be step, you know, called upon to step into a bigger role where there are another injury or where there are foul trouble or anything like that. So maybe this is a good chance to let him really get some run. And then third question, which is kind of along those lines, the young bigs, Ben Gregg and Caden Perry, you know, who comes into the game first? Do they play together a lot? Do we see them both on the floor at the same time? Do we see a lot of lineups where Ben Gregg is playing alongside Chet Holmgren? Does he play alongside Drew Timmy a lot? Same questions with Caden Perry. Again, trying to extrapolate what we see in this game as something that's going to happen in the regular season is probably a little bit silly. And I want to continue to say that caveat because I know that there will be people who will see, you know, they'll see that Caden only plays with Chet and they'll think, oh, well, you know, during the season, Kate, he's only going to play when Drew's out of the game. He's only, and, and I just don't think that any of that needs to be taken out of the context of what this game is. Caden Perry should play a lot. Ben Gregg should play a lot. I mentioned Martinez Herlaus because he should play a lot. Nolan Hickman should play a lot as a true freshman. Hunter Salas should play a lot. And again, I don't know what Brian Michelson's going to do. I don't know what game plan they have going into this contest or not, but it makes sense for me to get a lot of the young guys some reps. A lot of the guys who are probably just on that outside of that line rotation uh, looking in, like get those guys some playing time now because you can, you can see what they're doing. Like you don't need to see Drew Timmy play 30 minutes in this game. You just he doesn't need to. But having said that, you also want to see how he plays along with other guys. And that leads into the next question, which is how is Chet and Drew line up? offensively and defensively. And again, something I've talked about a whole bunch this offseason. Does Drew Timmy play defense away from the rim when Chet Holmgren's in the game? Do we see Drew have to be play more perimeter defense? Do we see Gonzaga play zone? Do they play almost exclusively man? Again, doesn't mean they won't, if they only play man in this game, doesn't mean they won't try a zone at all this year. It just means that they're not ready to showcase it yet, which is a viable strategy, certainly. But again, if we face a zone, does Chet play the soft spot up top? Does he play down low and Drew plays away from the rim? Do they get Drew out of the game? Like, how do, the, how do they manage that? Because I think we're going to see a lot of zone defenses this year. And seeing Drew and Chet on the floor at the same time against a zone defense is something that I'm really curious to see how they're going to try to attack that. And then, of course, the, the high-low offense, something that we haven't seen that much of lately because I don't think there was a lot of confidence in Anton Watson's ability to play that role on this team. So now with Chet Holmgren in the mix, with Drew Timmy in the mix, obviously— those two guys line up really well for this style of offense, a play that has been in Mark Few's book for 20 years. So do we see that again? And then just because we don't see it on Sunday doesn't mean that we're not going to see it at all. But I would be curious to see if it's going to show up at all in this contest. And then the last one, sticking with the same theme, do we see much of Chet, Drew, and Anton together at the same time? A lineup that I'm intensely fascinated by, <laughs> that I bring up every chance that I can. Because I think there's... 
there's ways to make that lineup really work. Now, again, I already talked about how much, how deep this team's guard rotation is, and with Julian Strother in the mix as a forward too, it's difficult to imagine them playing three bigs all at the same time, but there's some real potential for that to be a killer lineup if used correctly. And in this game, I really want to see if they try to put it out there. Poor Eastern Oregon, they're going to struggle regardless, but those three dudes all on the floor at the same time, the smallest one of them is 6'8". Like, it's just going to be a nightmare for really every team in the league, in, in any league, in NAIA, D3, D2, D1, any team is going to struggle to defend that team. But in this game, it would just be an absolute massacre. And I'm curious to see if Michelson runs it out there, how they line up. Does Chet play the three? Does he play the four? Does, you know, does Drew still play under the basket? What does it line up like defensively? Like, I'm really curious to see how they potentially make that work. All right. Those are five of a potentially very long list of things that I'll be watching for. You know, I'm curious who steps up as the outside shooter. I'm curious, you know, how they attack a zone in general, not just with the big men, like all of that stuff. I'm curious about everything. (laughs) Most of my questions will not get answered in a exhibition game against an NAIA opponent, but it's a start. It's an opportunity for us to at least see the start of what's going to be a really, really special season in Spokane. All right. And in the second segment, we're going to debut our newest segment, Andy Locks, where we take uh, listeners submitted hot takes and discuss whether they're too hot, too cold, or just right. Before we get there, though, let's talk about our sponsor, McDonald's. This episode of Locked on Zags is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Growing up for me, it was the place to go for post-game celebrations, and for a while, it even became a pre-game location with their delicious breakfast menu. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. I'm loving it. All right. In the first segment, we had some fun previewing Eastern Oregon, talking about their best player, Max McCullough, and also discussing the five things that I'm going to be watching for most closely. Now we're going to have a little fun. Next two segments are a little bit silly. It's Friday. Why not, right? It's right before the season starts. I want... Five episodes coming at you every single week. Some of them, some of them are going to be a little bit silly. And in today's episode, we're going to take the first for the first time. We're going to do what I'm calling Andy Locks, and I say I. This was come up. This was created by listener Christian, who has been a loyal listener for a very long time. Submits questions very frequently for Mailbag Monday. And last time when he submitted a couple of questions, he also suggested doing this segment where he would submit hot takes. And then I would grade whether they were too hot, too cold, or just right. It's a segment that I'm hoping to do uh, to, to expand, obviously, beyond just having one listener submit them. So if you like this idea and you have some ideas that you want to submit in, whether they're season-long takes, whether they're game takes, whatever it may be, let me know. You can, of course, reach out to me at ScoreZagScore or at LockedOnZags on Twitter. You can also email me at AndyPatton013 at gmail.com. So we're going to go through the few that Christian sent so you can get a sense of what this looks like. The first one Christian sent, Julian Strother averaging 10 points a game. Too hot, too cold, just right. So the first one, for this one, I put just right. I think that that's that's really close to the correct range. I think if this was an over-under, I'd probably bet higher, but it's going to be close. I think he's going to be in like the 9 to 13, 14-point range. I think you look at Gonzaga's roster, I think Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren are number one and number two in scoring. 
And then three, four, and five, I could see it going a lot of different ways. The three guys that I have in that range are Rasir Bolton, Julian Strother, and Hunter Salas. I think it's reasonable to expect any of those guys to finish three, four, or five. <laughs> Quite frankly, I think all of them will be right, right in that same like 10 to 12 point per game range. Then after that, it's probably Andrew Nembhard. Then it's Anton Watson. Then you get into like Ben Gregg, Caden Perry, or actually you get into Nolan Hickman, sorry. Then it's probably Hickman, Watson, and then Greg Perry. And then obviously things change when Dominic Harris is back from his injury. But I don't think it's crazy to think Julian finishes third on the team in scoring. I think fifth or sixth is also realistic. This team just has so many weapons and so many guys who can get 10 to 15 points per game on average. But I think he's going to be right in that 10 to 12-ish range. Next one, Ben Gregg playing an average of 12 minutes per night. Uh, Two hots. Two hot. I I just don't see it. With Chet, with Drew, with Anton, with Julian playing some four, with Caden Perry, I I don't see how he plays more than 12 on average. He will play more than 12 sometimes. (laughs) It will certainly happen. But I think if you're going to guess his average, I'd guess it's more in the seven to nine minutes per game range. Next up, total number of losses by the Zags this season, three. That's too cold. That's too cold, my friend. I think that two is a more realistic guess. I, I, I I would be disappointed if it was three. Now, I suppose you could be including the tournament, which I sure as hell hope they don't lose in the NCAA tournament. That's the whole goal, right? Twice, twice we've come very close to not losing in the NCAA tournament. But either way, I think, you know, obviously Texas is tough. Duke is tough. UCLA is tough. uh, And beyond Alabama's tough. Like, there's a lot of really tough teams on the schedule. BYU is never easy. St. Mary's is going to be fine. Like, there's there's, there's not a lot of super easy games on the schedule, at least in the non-conference. And so... But I, I just don't see three losses happening. I think that's too many. I think one or two is more real. And that's crazy. Like, I could spend a lot, <laughs> a really long time talking about how insane that is. But that's kind of what I realistically think. Next one, Chet Holmgren triple doubles this season. Two. Two triple doubles this season. Way too hot. <laughs> I know you might have been being a little facetious on this one, but that is too hot. I'd be surprised if Chet gets one. It's really hard to get a triple double across a 40-minute game. He's not going to play more than 27 to 30 minutes per game. Uh, he's going to spend a lot of time away from the rim, at least on offense. Uh, he'll gobble up defensive rebounds, no doubt. And I think he's a pretty good passer, but getting a triple-double is really, really hard. And I, and I, and if he does do it, or if he's on track to do it, it's probably going to be a blowout. He's probably going to sit a lot in the second half. That's how Joel got robbed of a lot of his, is because Coach Few pulled him out in situations where he was very close to kidding one. Andrew Nemhard averaging eight assists per game this season. Too hot. Yeah, his career high is 5.6. Uh, I think he'll break that. I'm very willing to say that he will probably break that, but he played like 25 to 30 minutes per game in all three of his seasons in college so far, and he never broke five and a half assists per game. This is the best team, or this is one of last year's team had a lot of scores. This year's team also has a lot of scores. He's in more of a facilitating passing role this year, which is why I think he'll break his career high. But averaging eight, really hard to do. I think it'll probably be between six and seven. Next one, Chet Holmgren's three-point percentage this season, 42%. That's pretty good. I'm going to give you a just right on that one. I think it's probably a little lower. If we were doing, again, if we're doing over under, I'd probably say a little bit under, but I would not be surprised to see him shoot between 38 and 42%, somewhere in there. You know, all indications we have about him are that he's a really good outside shooter. I think he's going to be a significant part of that for Gonzaga this year, which is really going to help open up the floor, create more room for the guys to drive to the basket, all of that good stuff. 42% is tough. (laughs) That's really high, but I wouldn't shock me if he got there. Two more. Next one, Drew Timmy averaging 18 points a game this season. I'm actually going to say that's too cold. He averaged 19 points per game last year on a roster that had Jalen Suggs, Joe Eliaye, and Corey Kispert. This year, 
He's still going to be the primary offensive force. Yes, they lost all three of those guys. Yes, they, of course, added Chet Holmgren and Hunter Salas and Rasir Bolton and Julian Strother's taking on a bigger role. Like, they got plenty of dudes who can score. I think there's no debate about that. I don't think that they're going to have an issue putting the ball through the hoop. But I think Drew's, I don't see his role changing at all. And he averaged 19 per game last year. And I just, I don't think it's going to drop. 18 is not a bad bet. <laughs> it's, you know, it's going to be in that range. But I would definitely pick higher if I was if the line was 19. I think I'd still take higher. I think he's going to get close to 20 points per night. Last one, Anton Watson averaging two steals a game this season. Yeah, that's probably too hot. That's not bad, but you know he averaged 1.2 steals per game in each of his first two seasons. That was playing you know less than 20 minutes per night. And I think the natural thought is well, he's going to play more minutes, so he's going to get more steals. A I don't know that he's playing a whole lot more than 20 minutes per night just because of how deep this team is with Chet and Drew and Julian playing a lot at the three and Ben and Caden in the mix as well. So if he's playing 22, 25 minutes per night, do we expect his steals per game to go up by nearly nearly double? No, I, I don't think so. I think he's going to have plenty of games with two steals. I think he's going to have some games with three steals, but averaging two per night is probably a little high. I think it's going to be closer to one and a half. I think he's going to break the 1.2 streak that he's been on for the last two years. I think he'll be higher than that, but I don't think he's going to get all the way to two steals per game. All right, so that is how that segment works. If you liked it, if you loved it, if you want to submit some, please, please feel free to do so. You can submit them whenever. If I get enough submissions, we'll try to do it next week. I think it'd be a fun thing to do on Thursday's episodes, so the episodes that I record on Wednesday before that week's games. So obviously when we get into the season, they play Thursday and Saturday. We could do this on Thursday morning. You could listen to the takes and we could determine <laughs> at the end of the week on Monday's episode how people did, whether I was too harsh on people, whether your guys' bets were correct or not. A uh, fun little thing to do. You know, why not? My favorite part of this podcast is engaging with you all, the listeners. And that's why Mailbag Monday is my favorite episode every week, bar none. I love Mailbag Monday. It's an absolute blast to hear your guys' questions you know, formulate responses, interact with you guys on Twitter or other social media sites about them. It's a lot of fun. This is another way to get your, not really questions, but your thoughts about the team. Most of you, all of you are so educated about this team and and love to share your thoughts. And I, I love to hear them. So this is a great way to kind of blend that where I still get to interact with you. Maybe you don't have a question this week. Maybe you want to tell me what you think about something. This is a great way where we can do that. I can share my response to that. We can see how it goes. So absolutely, like I said, reach out whenever you have a thought on this, something that you want to share, and we'll, we'll try to get it into the show. All right, we're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to talk about superheroes. We're going to talk Marvel Cinematic Universe because it's Friday, and we're going to have some fun. Before we get there, though, today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridironers. Teams are back on to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a newly updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Today's episode is also sponsored by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Plain and simple. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, including some all-time favorites like raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, coconut, and my personal favorite, salted caramel. 
Of course, Bilt Bar is not only great tasting, they are healthy too. Most Bilt Bar flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Go to BiltBar.com now and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's BiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order. All right. So now we're here in the third segment, the last segment of the week, Friday evening. We're going to discuss superheroes. We're talking Marvel Cinematic Universe. So Marty Merrill at eStreetman31 on Twitter. He is part of the Free Ira Brown podcast. If you have not checked out that podcast, the OG Gonzaga podcast, check it out. You don't want to miss it. He reached out to me, asked this question for Mailbag Monday, asking me to compare the players on Gonzaga's roster to superheroes. Now, I did not want to give that a minute and a half or however long I usually spend on mailbag questions because it just wasn't long enough. So here we go. We got seven minutes. I was originally going to blend multiple universes, talk Justice League, Batman, Superman, etc. Ended up settling on only picking Marvel Cinematic Universe characters because I realized three-fourths of the way through that everybody I'd picked was Marvel. That's what I'm the most familiar with. So, And I think I tried to pick based on relationships with other characters, so it made sense to all keep them all in the same universe. If you want to hear me compare them to Justice League characters or Star Wars characters or whatever else, you guys know when I ask Mailbag Monday questions, you can reach out to it then and we can talk about it then. All right, we're going to start with Mark Few. Mark Few, this is a pretty obvious one. He is going to be Nick Fury, a skilled tactician, leader, brings people together, all of that stuff. Uh, a little bit gruff sometimes, uh, the way that Fury is, but I think that that comparison makes a lot of sense. Drew Timmy's Thor. I mean, duh, right? Uh, super powerful, uh, takes over as the leader. Thor, you know, obviously took over as the leader of Asgard. Drew Timmy took over as the leader of this team after Phil Petrusev left. Uh, they're known for their hair. Drew Timmy is certainly known for his facial hair, not his head of hair, but still, they're big, powerful leaders known for their hair. So there's your comparison there. Chet Holmgren is Spider-Man. It took me a little while to figure out what I want to do with Chet. Uh, Spider-Man is young. He's one of the youngest Marvel superheroes, but he's mighty. He's very strong. Uh, he's stretchy, which I think kind of works for Chet Holmgren as well. Very powerful. And also often gets compared to others. And with Spider-Man, like there's the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. There's the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. There's the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Like everybody's always comparing the different Spider-Mans. And for Chet Holmgren, he's already, he hasn't even played a basketball game in college. And we're hearing Kevin Durant. We're hearing, you know, Kristaps Porzingis. We heard Anthony Davis. Like he's, he's getting all these comparisons already before he's even played a game. So that's, that's where Spider-Man comes from for Chet Holmgren. Julian Strother is Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, Chris Pratt's character from Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, two reasons. One, Julian Strother is a jokester, and he is an expert shooter or marksman. Those are two characteristics that describe Star-Lord, two characteristics that describe Julian Strother. If you don't know what I mean about jokester, follow him on social media. Follow him on Instagram. He is like the biggest prankster on the team. He's always joking around, laughing, big, charismatic personality. Uh, super fun guy. Definitely somebody that you should be following on social media if you're not already. Next up is Hunter Salas, uh, the Falcon, Sam Wilson's character from Captain America. Um, super athletic, can fly, can literally fly. Hunter Salas, if you watched the dunk contest, if you watched Craziness in the Kennel, you know that he is also literally capable of flying. So there you go. They can both fly. <laughs> They're both very athletic. Uh, Falcon's character is the like the most athletic human basically in the universe uh, that doesn't have any superhuman abilities because uh, he's military trained and super athletic so uh, and then he also takes over as a leader i'm trying to avoid 
too many spoilers. I think most people have probably seen Endgame by now who are going to see it. But just in case, I won't go too far into detail. But Hunter's House has leadership capabilities. So does Sam Wilson. That's all I'll say. Next up, of course, Andrew Nemhard. If Hunter Salas is the Falcon, then Andrew Nemhard is Captain America, a role that went to Corey Kispert when I did this activity last year that I thought was very perfect, but it works extremely well for Nemhard as well. He is the team leader. Uh, you know, Drew's the face, Chet's the, you know, the most, one of the most well-known freshmen of all time, but Nemhard is the person, the glue. He keeps everything together. He's the facilitator. Uh, he's quiet. Uh, but he's also fearless. He's also powerful. He's not afraid of the spotlight, but he doesn't really need it. I think, you know, he came to this team last year expecting to go to the NBA, instead transferred to a new school and then came off the bench. A lot of people would struggle with that. Nemhard didn't. He waited, his, he bided his time, he got his chance to start, and then he came out and really succeeded. And Captain is very unassuming as a person, like that's a big part of who he is as a character. So I think a lot of those kind of comparisons make sense between those two guys. Sticking with characters from the Captain America universe, Anton Watson is Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier. Yes, part of this is because Anton Watson spent two, the better part of two seasons dealing with a shoulder injury, and Bucky Barnes, of course, has a mechanical arm that goes all the way up to his shoulder. Yes, uh, sometimes the comparisons are pretty surface level. I'm not going to pretend that I dug super deep onto all of them. But also, Bucky is quiet. He's relentless. He's really, I mean, I, I, I picture like, Bucky is fearless and he, he's a big fighter. He loves to fight. And Watson is this tenacious defensive player. So you can see some comparisons there. Next up, Rasir Bolton is the Black Widow. Uh, Bolton is stealthy. He's a super freak athlete, and he can get where he needs to go. That's kind of the best way I could think about with Bolton is he he loves to drive to the rim. He's slippery trying to get to the net. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's somewhat limited in his ability. He's not a great outside shooter. He's not a great defensive player. Black Widow is one of the you know most notable Marvel characters who doesn't have actual superpowers, but she still gets gets the job done. She still does what she needs to do. And I think in a lot of ways, Bolton is going to be like that where he, you know, you may know that he has some limitations, but he, when he needs to get a bucket, he's going to go get a bucket. Next up, Nolan Hickman, Hawkeye. That's another pretty easy one for me. I think Nolan Hickman's going to be the best shooter on the team. And Hawkeye is the best shooter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There you go. Sometimes they don't need a lot more depth. That was it. Uh, next up, Dominic Harris is Black Panther. I like this one a lot. Uh, Dom seems like a natural leader. By all accounts, that is who he is. Quite literally, he got Jalen Suggs and Julian Strother to follow him to campus. He was a leader before he ever set foot on campus. And I think that works really well with the comparison to T'Challa, who was a leader. He became the king, and then he got challenged. For the first time, somebody really started to fight him and said, hey, why do you get to be king? So he became a leader based up, you know, because of his charisma, and then he, then he got to actually show what he's capable of doing. That's what I picture with Dom. Dom's already a leader. People are already following him. Now he gets to go out and prove it. He's going he's to miss some time, unfortunately, with the injury. But when he's healthy, he gets to really prove he's ready to be a leader and he's capable of being that guy. Next up is Ben Gregg. I really struggled with Ben Gregg. Uh, I ended up going with Ant-Man because <laughs> Ant-Man proved time travel was real. And Ben Gregg was a high school senior who was playing for Gonzaga. <laughs> He didn't technically, he didn't, he didn't actually time travel. I, I feel like I should make that clear. He did not actually time travel, but he took advantage of a weird loophole rule in a COVID season and was on Gonzaga's bench a half a season early. It's kind of like time traveling. He's also young and big, physically imposing, you know, Ant-Man, 
became huge in the last movie, again, trying to avoid spoilers, but um, ended up serving a really significant role. And I think there's a real possibility that if this team reaches their expectation, it's because Ben Gregg did some stuff that people weren't expecting him to do. Next up, Caden Perry. Caden Perry's Groot. Uh, <laughs> this was mostly because Caden Perry suffered a significant back injury in the second half of his senior year of high school, missed the majority of the games. It seemed very likely that an injury of that caliber was going to impact his ability to be healthy for Gonzaga. And then he wasn't. He was, he was totally fine. He was playing in craziness in the kennel. He was dunking on dudes. He participated in the dunk contest. He blocked Groot Timmy at the rim. He did not look like his back had ever hurt him a single day in his entire life. Groot has regenerative abilities. That's <laughs> a fundamental part of who Groot the character is, is he can regrow limbs. He can grow from the ashes. He, you know, he, he died effectively and grew back to life. I'm pretty sure Caden Perry does not actually have regenerative abilities. Again, to clarify, I don't think that he grew a new back or anything like that, but the way that he recovered from that injury was pretty remarkable to see as somebody who's, who tweaked my back once seven years ago and feels like I'm, I'm going to have back pain for the rest of my life. Um, pretty impressive that Caden Perry was healthy as he was. Uh, he's also, you know, stretchy and long, similar to Groot. So I think the comparison works there too. And the last one, I did not do the walk-ons. I apologize, Marty. You can let me know if, if you think that I should have done the walk-ons. But the last player that I talked about was Martinez Arlauskas, the only player who got a quote-unquote villain. I did Martinez Arlauskas as Loki. The main reason for this is because if you watched Gonzaga's Instagram stories last year or any of the players that you followed on Instagram, you noticed that before every game, <laughs> Drew Timmy and Martinez Orlowskis had a funny little routine. They would both take half-court shots. They'd run in the locker room together. It seems like they're very much like, they, he looks like his little brother. Like, to be perfectly honest, I would have said this before I actually compared him to Thor's little brother, but he looks like, you know, he like follows him around. They're like clearly buddies and friends. And then I think there was a lot of conversation this year about whether Martinez Orlowskis would transfer. Now, transferring is not villainy. I want to be I want to make that very clear. This is obviously a joke segment, so I don't I expect nobody's taking anything that I'm saying super seriously, but transferring is not villainy. But the whole will he won't he is he going to stay is he going to go is sort of like how you never know whether Loki's good or not. Like in watching a lot of the movies, he kind of he flip-flops a lot. I don't know that Arlowski's ever flip-flopped, but our perception of is he going to stay is he going to go sort of flip-flopped a little bit so that plus the fact that he see, looks and acts like he's Thor's little brother or Drew Timmy's little brother, that's how he ended up getting Loki. This was a ton of fun. Uh, I had a blast. I really tried to find out if I could make somebody Drax or make somebody War Machine, who's one of my favorite Marvel characters. But since I didn't have an Iron Man, couldn't figure out how to get War Machine in there. Didn't want to subject anybody to being Rocket Raccoon. That seemed like it was a little too mean. So, But I had a blast. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Again, you can ask questions like this. Um, I'm probably going to turn them into segments like this more often than not because it's difficult to handle this in a short amount of time <laughs> or if i have a really slow mailbag monday maybe i'll discuss it then but feel free to let me know whether you agree or disagree don't be rude about it because this is obviously just a joke thing so hopefully nobody's taking it too seriously but uh, i kind of i think stuff like this is fun and i think it's a fun way to to end the week so the next time we talk gonzaga will have played their first exhibition game you're all going to have some questions i hope that you're going to have some questions reach out to me before the game during the game after the game Get your questions submitted. Mailbag Monday, I'm going to record on Sunday evening like I always do. You can reach out to me at ScoreZagScore or at LockedOnZags on Twitter. You can reach out on Facebook or Instagram. You can email me at AndyPatton013 at gmail.com. I'm so excited to be talking about real Gonzaga basketball starting next week. Finally, a reminder before I sign off this week to make 
the Locked On NBA podcast, your second listen of the day. You can get all of your daily NBA updates from a variety of league experts while checking in on your favorite Zags playing at the next level. All right, y'all, thank you so much for listening, and go Zags!